Thank you for joining us for this chapel message from the campus of Columbia International University in Columbia, South Carolina. Our mission at CIU is to educate people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Good morning. Good morning, CIU. How you guys doing? Yeah. I'm so excited uh, to be with you this week, to be with you this morning. I'm so expectant at what God is going to do. As you've heard, my name is Charlie, and I am a cheesehead by birth. Thank you for the one person who knows what that means, and a mountain man by upbringing. That means I was born in Wisconsin. By the way, I do love cheese, all kinds of cheese. Uh, I don't know, like the fancy cheese and... Mac and cheese, I get uh, lots of cheese. And I was uh, gr uh, grown up in Colorado for almost my entire life. Darren, yes, thank you. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, and um, I have absolute proof today for you, 100% evidence that miracles still happen. You might want to take notes on this, I'm just saying. 100% proof, here it is. The first time I ever met my wife, her name is Dara, best wife on the planet. I'm sorry, Adrian, um, you know how he is. Uh, best wife on the planet. And uh, the first time I ever met her, I wasn't like a normal person. I wasn't like, hey, how are you today? What's your name? Hey, what, how's the weather? I don't know. Uh, there's hearts in the clouds. Anyway, I didn't say anything like that. I was just like, hmm, your feet are tiny. <laughs> Why would I ever, all the ladies that are in the room are like, who are you? I know, I know. What is wrong with me? I have no idea. A lot of things. But later, eventually, she decided it would be a wise idea to date me and get married to me. Miracles still happen. And um, it's absolute proof. And uh, now we have a two-year-old daughter named Adelaide and another one on the way, October 24th, like one month from today. We're so excited. And I know I'm doing at least one thing right as a father, at least one, at least one. Uh, Adelaide has a favorite store, a favorite store. So we'll be walking or driving to this store, getting out, and she's like, oh, bubbling up with excitement. I can't wait to get in the store. Oh! And we walk through the doors, and she's looking at everything on the walls, and all we're, oh, ah, I'm just full of excitement. You know what the store is? <laughs> Cabela's and Bass Pro Shop. Yes! I mean, I'm doing at least one thing right as a father. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Well, Lord, we love you. We praise you. I pray you grip our hearts with your word. You pour out your spirit that we would be your witnesses to make you, Jesus, known here to our neighbors and to the nations, to the ends of the earth. Lord, would you grip us today and do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. December 7th, 1941 began as any other sunny day. That is until 8 a.m. struck. And disaster struck the shores of the United States of America as Japan attacked at Pearl Harbor, bringing absolute chaos, absolute destruction, slaughtering so many people, thousands of lives, hundreds of military aircraft, bringing chaos and destruction. And the next morning, our country decided to enter World War II. The thing is, the war had been going on for several years at that point. And it's almost like we have been living as if it wasn't. And it took this atrocity to wake us up and get us into the fight. And I believe right now there is a worldwide war going on for the souls of humanity. And we need to wake up and get into the fight. 
Let's take a look at what God's Word says about this. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to see what God says about this worldwide war going on right now today. And uh, I actually have something here in my pocket. Um, can you see what this is? What is this? Yes, he's a soldier. Thank you. I have, I have this soldier. I think he looks awesome. He's got his uniform on, weapon in hand, ready to fight, ready to get after it. Now, the thing is, he's, he's a candy soldier. He's made of chocolate. So what would happen if I just peeled this back a little bit? Um, Dan Coy, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. I'm very sorry. Please forgive me. Uh, not sure if I'm allowed to. By the way, you guys have the best spiritual leaders here. You, you don't even know how blessed you are. Dan and Darren and all these other people who are pouring into your lives. Why don't you just give them a hand? You guys are so blessed. Now, what will happen if I just light a match? Uh, and uh, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. I'm sorry. Uh, it's already starting to melt. <laughs> I mean, it's starting to drip. I'm not going to keep going because it's nice carpet up here. Uh, and what's going to happen? This thing will become a melted mess. I mean, it will become almost useless. This soldier's not good for any sort of battle. I mean, outwardly, he looks incredible, amazing, but inwardly, almost useless. And if I melt this, you can't eat this. Who's going to lick this off the carpet? Don't raise your hand. That's disgusting. Who's going to do that? This thing is almost useless at that point. Listen to this quote. There's a great missionary, maybe you've heard of him, named C.T. Studd. Did incredible things for the Lord. And this is what he said. The candy Christian dissolves in water and melts at the smell of fire. Sweeties, they are. Bonbons, lollipops, living their lives on a glass dish or in a cardboard box, each clad in his soft clothing, a little frilled white paper to preserve his dear little delicate constitution. Here are some examples of candy soldiers taken and given by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He said, I go, sir, and went not. Candy Christians, they run from the battle. They flee the battle. They don't roll up their sleeves and get into the fight. They run the opposite direction. The battle's raging all around us, everywhere around the world. I've been to about 24 countries so far, and I see the need everywhere. I see the need here in this community, on campus, outside of campus. The needs are great. And God is looking for true soldiers. Yet I fear too many of us are living as candy Christians, running from the battle. So what does God say? Let's take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 2. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says this, Hey, Timothy, what you've heard me say in the presence of many reliable witnesses and trust to faithful ones who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs or pursuits because his aim is to please the one who enlisted him, to please his commanding officer. Number one, a true soldier of Christ enlists in the mission. A true soldier of Christ enlists in the mission. I remember being in East Africa at one point, 
And uh, there's this tribe called the Maasai tribe. And uh, we showed up on their village with the goal to bring the good news of Jesus to them and see what God would do and multiply disciples among the unreached. The, we show up and all these kids run out and they're so excited to meet us and touching our arms like these people are different than us. And we're just having a blast. And then the leaders of the village exit the village and come up to us and they say, why don't you guys come on in? And we told them, uh, we've come here to bring a message from God. We'd like to share it with you. And they go, that's great. We'd love to hear. But let's have a feast first. <laughs> so they slaughter a goat and we gather around this fire and we just start feasting and eating this goat. They had sacrificed their, their, their livestock for our behalf. And uh, then as we finished eating, all these warriors stand up with their spears in hand and they say, follow us. Oh, this is interesting. Darkness was upon us at this point, And we began to follow in line down this trail after these warriors. I'm going, I have no idea where we're going. Into the darkness. And all of a sudden, we get to this field, they stop and they say, okay, this is the spot, tell us your message. And we begin to tell them about the good news of Jesus, the God who created everything, the one true God, and how we rebelled against him in sin. But Jesus came to pay the price for our sin and died on a cross. He rose from the dead and he's waiting for a relationship with us today if we just follow him and give him our lives. We said, how many of you want to leave behind your other gods and worship Jesus alone and follow him? And they responded and said, yes, many of them. We want to follow this Jesus and gave their lives to Christ. And then the village elder came up to us and he said, we really like this message. We've, we've never even heard the name of Jesus before. And we want to spread it to all the villages around us. From day one, immediately they enlisted in the mission to spread the name of Jesus, to make him known to everyone around what is this mission? Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, to all nations, to all ethne, all people groups, and then the end will come. We have a mission to get the good news of Jesus out to the entire world, to our neighbors and to the nations. God has a plan to use you and to use me to do it. It's, a, it's incredible. It's amazing. God has a gift for the world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Go preach the gospel to all creation, to everyone. Tell everyone about Jesus. Yet, I wonder that when we're sending missionaries, when we're going overseas, so often we're not actually going to the unreached. We're going to places that already have churches, that already have Bibles, that already have believers. And then when we're not there, but we're here, so often when we talk about discipleship, we go, I'm going to disciple this guy in my church. And oh, I'm going to disciple this person who's in my Bible study. And I'm going to disciple this, but we just, keep, we just keep keeping it inside the four walls. We never go say, I'm going to go reach my waitress for Christ and disciple her. I'm going to go reach the barista for Christ and disciple him. We keep it to ourselves. Now, how do I know this? How, how do I know it's not just my perspective? I'm not just making stuff up here. Take a look at these stats. These stats are staggering. They plague me. I hope as a result of my life that they'll be reversed. I wrote about them in this book called Mud Runner. It's on the back table. The final chapter, I wrote about these stats. It's mixed in with all these crazy stories of what God's doing around the world. But listen to this. 61% of Christians have never shared their faith. What? How's that even possible? You have the life-giving message of Jesus and you won't even open your mouth about him? Something's off. 
3.14 billion people, 42% of the world population, live in unreached people groups. These are not your neighbor. Sometimes I hear, well, my neighbor down the street's unreached. No, they're lost. They could find a church if they wanted to. There are believers in this community. They could get their hands on a Bible. Unreached? They probably can't find a church. They probably can't find a Bible. And they probably can't find a believer. That's 42% of our world. For every $100,000 that Christians make, $1 goes toward initiatives to reach the unreached. $1. We spend more money in America on dog costumes on Halloween than we spend on the unreached. Something's off. We're not fulfilling the mission. Of 400,000 cross-cultural missionaries that we train up and spend our resources and invest everything into them and send them, 400,000, only 3% go to the unreached. That means 97% are going to regions that already have churches, Bibles, and believers. Now, I'm not against that. God may raise up some of you to go cross-culturally and provide a pastoral type of role to people who already know Christ in those regions. I, I get that. Or evangelism in those regions. That's good. We should. But statistically, I can't imagine that we're fully obeying what Jesus has sent us to do. 51% of church attendees in the United States were unfamiliar with the term Great Commission. Excuse me, 51%, but it gets worse. 20, another 25% said, we've heard it, but we don't really know its meaning. Only and another 6% said, I'm not really sure. That's 80, 82% of those who attend church in the United States of America don't even know what Jesus has sent us to do. We're not fulfilling the mission. We're... We're living as a whole as candy Christians, sadly. I believe many of you here are on fire for Jesus, getting his word out there. I praise God for you. Keep stirring up others to do the same. Growing up, we had chores to do. My parents were good parents, and they said, you have chores to do. So we would have Saturday come in, and we'd be so excited because my dad would write out all these fun activities, and we'd get to vote as kids. There's three of us siblings. and said, okay, which one do you want to do? Which one? We'd all vote. Well, I want to go to the movie theater. Well, I, I kind of want to play a board game. I, I want to play bocce ball and go through the neighborhood. We'd have all these things we could vote on. But before we could have the fun and, and get to that mo moment of enjoyment, we would have work to do. We'd have chores. And so we, my parents would list out all the chores of the household and give it to us, and we'd have to do it. And uh, I'm always kind of wheeling and dealing because I feel like any first siblings out there, we always get the short end of the stick, don't we? Thank you. Uh, and, and so I'm like, hey, I go to my brother, Will. Listen, Will, um, I know it's real hard to vacuum your 10 by 10 room. I mean, it's backbreaking work, man. <sighs> Why don't you just trade with me? You can go pick up all the dog poop in the yard and it rocks, you know? I mean, it'll be, it'll be a good trade. I mean, it's just horrible to vacuum that room. And the dog poop's easy, right? But... <laughs> That's not true. I mean, if you know what I'm saying? It's in the rocks, and you're trying to use the, the grabber, and it's, oh, it won't come out of the rocks. And it, but my parents would inspect, so I knew I had to do it. And so you'd have to get a King Super's plastic grocery bag to pick it. Oh, and it's in your hands. It's nasty. It's disgusting. I mean, I'd start gagging. I've got to get my brother to do this somehow. I mean, it's horrible. And, uh, I mean, I still have that problem now that I have a daughter, and i got to change her diaper sometimes. Uh, I'm sitting there trying to change her diaper, and I'm like, oh, this smell is oh, horrible. And uh, she's looking at me like, ha, ha, dad, dad, ha, ha, 
like, stop it. So I'm like, can somebody get me a COVID mask? I'm trying to put my shirt up over it. I, and then my wife's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you have such a bad gag reflex. It's a good one, a strong one, thank you very much. It's a gift. I have a strong gag reflex. Anyway, we'd have to do all these <laughs> chores and all these things. And then finally, after we would complete them, we could enjoy our time together. And I just wonder if our Heavenly Father is looking at us saying, there's a lot of work to be done. I'm assigning it to many of you. And then heaven awaits us. It's going to be an incredible time of the glory of God, worshiping Him before the throne for all of eternity. We're going to get to enjoy that. But until then, there's a lot of work to be done. We need to fervently get after it and enlist in the mission. Will you change the future of the stats? Imagine what could happen. Secondly, a true soldier of Christ engages in the mission. A true soldier of Christ says yes to Jesus every time. You heard Britain preach it on Tuesday. A true soldier of Christ says yes to him every time. Maybe he's saying, hey, did you see that person on campus who's having a hard day? Well, maybe he's prompted, why don't you see them and stop and love them for a moment? Encourage them. Yes, sir, Lord. I'll do it. I, I know I'm busy, but Lord, I'll, I'll do it. Or maybe he's saying, hey, when you go to that coffee shop off campus, you, you know there's other people besides you. Like, what, what if you cared about them and told them about the love of Jesus? Yes, sir, Lord, I'll do it. Or maybe there's somebody on campus, a roommate or somebody else, and you're like, I, I'm kind of frustrated with them in this season. To be honest, like, they're messy and they're annoying and they stay up late with their music. I got to get up early and stuff. Maybe that's your scenario. And God's saying, well, you just serve them. And love them. Yes, sir, Lord. I'll do it. A true soldier engages the mission, saying yes to Jesus every time. Look at what the text says. No soldier gets into civilian pursuits. Their aim is to please their commanding officer. Our aim is to please Jesus every time. Ephesians 5.10, find out what pleases the Lord. Now as we say yes to Jesus, day after day after day, Maybe the question comes up, what if it costs us? What if it costs us something? What if it brings us difficulty? What if it brings us suffering? What if I have to lay things down? When Paul wrote this letter of 2 Timothy to Paul, and he says, Timothy, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. It just so happens that at the time, the Roman Emperor Nero was persecuting believers horrifically. He was rounding up Christians and this is kind of graphic, I'm sorry, but it's true. I, I believe it helps us see the text and the context and what's going on. He, he's rounding up believers and burning them at the stake to light up his garden orgies. That's what I believe Timothy had in his mind while Paul wrote this to him, inspired by the Spirit. Timothy, you have to be willing to suffer and die for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as a good soldier. And it just so happens that Paul's in prison and chains for the gospel while he writes this. kind of gives him some credibility, I think. Makes me think of some friends of ours. We have forge ambassadors in different places around the world fueling this movement of kingdom laborers. Hearts on fire, lives on purpose in places that are often unengaged, unreached. We have networks going in the Middle East right now and there's one particular guy that we'll name Mohammed. And he was a Muslim. Pastor gave him a Bible and he began to read the Bible and he says, hi. I felt power and energy when I started to read the scripture. It started to change my life. He left Islam and gave his life to Jesus. 
He said yes to Jesus for the first time. Did it cost him? You better believe it did. His community came around and beat him, kicked his teeth in, and he was put in prison. His wife and kids left him. It cost him. But Jesus was so worth it. He was so worthy of it. He couldn't help. He longed for Jesus. He had tasted. He had seen. Miraculously, he got out of prison three years later. His wife and kids came back to him and they gave their lives to Christ. And now they share Jesus with other Muslims, leading them to the good news of Christ. God is stirring things when people say yes to him. When they engage in the mission, no matter the people, no matter the place, and no matter the cost. In these regions, as people say yes to him, even now, they're risking their lives. They're going to places that have historically been Taliban territory and bringing the message of Jesus. In fact, just a few months back, several families in one of these unengaged, unreached people groups, historically no known believers in all of history yet, several families left Islam to follow Jesus and were baptized the first among their people group in all of history because of people who say yes to Jesus. No matter the people, no matter the place, no matter the cost. Now, I understand, for many of us in this room, our, our lives aren't going to be that extreme. It's like, well, that's kind of intense, Charlie. Could you just calm down for a minute? Like, yeah, I get it. You're not going to maybe be in those kinds of places. Might be that you share Jesus, thank you. <laughs> it might be that somebody insults you because you share Jesus with them. Or they gossip about you behind your back. Is Jesus worth that to you? Is he more worthy than whatever you could face? Would you endure that with joy? Saying yes to him no matter the cost. Just get over yourself. Get over your ego. Might be that he asked you to lay some things down. I had a life dream before he called me. I wanted to join the military be a military officer leader for my entire career. I had it made. I mean, my life dream was in my hands. I, I was nominated by vice president and senator for West Point Air Force Academy, had full ride ROTC scholarships to engineering schools. I had it all in my hands. And through some times of prayer, God began to prompt, Charlie, are you, you're willing to risk your life for your country. Would you do that for me? He began to lead me through more times of prayer. Would you lay down these things, these idols, and put me first in your life? And as I did, he led me on the greatest adventure I could ever imagine. He, he began to lead me and burden me with scripture and prayer and saying, I, I want you to start to travel and preach and go to unreached places as well and spark disciple making to see these people reach with the good news. I had to lay down my dreams. It cost me. But I can tell you there's such greater joy on the other side. It's so worth it because Jesus is worthy of it. It might cost you. Now, this is a big mission. There's a lot of needs all over the world, everywhere. You've probably seen some. People suffering, people dying, and ultimately people without eternal hope in Christ Jesus. How will we finish this mission? I mean, it's huge, it's big, it's difficult. It takes endurance. How can we do it? What would be the best strategy? I, I want to do a little experiment with you right here. Imagine I could preach to 365 people a month now, you guys are smart, so you might know where I'm going, but just go with me here. Imagine I could lead, preach to and lead 365 people a month to Christ. It'd be pretty awesome, right? Now imagine you would just meet one-on-one -on -one with somebody and lead them to Christ and train them up to do the same in a month. And then you keep going and I keep going. Let's see what happens. After month one, I've got 365 people led to Christ. Amen? After month one, on your model, 
Could you stand up, please? Thanks, Abby. You're awesome. Uh, after month one, your model, you've got two people. Yes. All right, well, let's keep going with this. All right, could you tag somebody and have them stand up? You can just stay where you're at, just tag someone. Hey, would you, you mind standing up? You can go, yep, you just stay there. You guys just tag, all right, stand up. Okay, uh, now again, if you're standing, just tag someone. You can stay where you're at and just tag somebody nearby you. Okay, uh, what's up, brother? You can stand up. Okay, all right. This is now at, uh, how many people we have? Eight, your model. After three months, eight people. After three months, I have 1,095 led to Christ. That's pretty awesome. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Tag somebody and have them stand up. Go ahead and stand up, please. Okay. And uh, uh, do it again. Do it again, please. Do it again. Tag your it. Please stand up. Okay. All right. And do it again. Tag your it. Oh, this is good. Alright, stay, stay where you're at, stay, stay where you're at, stay where you're at, right now, alright, alright, <laughs> right now, we are at, alright, here we go, here we go, are you ready, right now we are at 128 people, I think, I don't know, I'm bad at math, let's just say, Seven months. After seven months, I would be at 2,555. All right, tag somebody else. Tag somebody else. Okay. Praise God. Praise God. You can take a seat. Please take a seat. Guess what? All of CIU Chapel came to Christ. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Um, I just want to welcome you into God's kingdom. Thank you for joining us. Uh, now, what am I trying to show you? Let's keep going here. Imagine, that's just after we reach everybody in here, like 512 peoples after nine months. I would have 3,285 after 10 months. You guys would have 1,024. Not bad, not bad. I would have 3,650 people led to Christ. Let's just continue. You want to continue and see where it goes? All right, after 25 months, how long is that? That's, um, two, thank you, just over two years, just over two years. I wasn't a math major, okay, forgive me. Uh, after uh, two years, and um, you guys, all right, well, I'll just say for me, I'd have 9,125 people led to Christ, that's amazing. I mean, we'd be jumping off the walls rejoicing, throwing a feast, I think. At least I would, some steak on the grill. Anyway, uh, what about you guys? You would have... 16.7 million people led to Christ at that point. Yep. Let's continue. After 34 months, how long is that? That's just a month shy. No, too much shy. Thank you. <laughs> of three years. <laughs> that's, the, uh, <laughs> that's the span of Jesus' ministry on earth. Oh, careful. That's the word of God. You don't want to drop that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Careful, don't drop your Bibles, please. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> just less than the span of Jesus' ministry on earth. I would have 12,475. Yeah, it's not that impressive after your 16.7 million. I get it. You guys, after just three years, if we followed this model, would have 8.5 billion people led to Christ. 
I don't know if you know that. That's the entire planet in less than three years. Imagine. Imagine if we just multiplied one life at a time. Just one life at a time. You invest in someone's life. You lead them to Christ. And you train them up to go and do the same. Who can't do that? Anyone can do that. How many of you can't have coffee with a friend? You can sit across a meal table with someone. You can do this. How many of you can't go on a run or a walk with somebody? Can't play basketball with someone? You can do this. And have those deep, meaningful conversations along the way, pointing them back to the one who truly can change your life. Anyone can do this. It's no wonder Jesus said there's many needs. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And every day, every person word, someone who could just roll up their sleeves and do the work for the kingdom and say yes to him every time. That's you. We can actually finish the mission. It's actually possible. It doesn't require a special pastor, a special evangelist, a, a, someone on a stage with a microphone. It just requires the ordinary, everyday person saying yes to Jesus and impacting the person around them and multiplying them to do the same. In fact, in the final frontier regions of the world for the Great Commission... It's not going to be completed by those with a ministry title, professional vocational ministry. It's nearly impossible, actually. It will be finished by everyday ordinary people, which is what we're seeing happen right now. Those who are businessmen, businesswomen, barbers, restaurant owners, moms, dads, teachers. So if you're studying in something else, you're an athlete or you're studying business or something else besides, and I love vocational ministry. Listen, I'm, that's me. I'm in vocational ministry. But if you're studying something else, good news, you have what it takes to complete the Great Commission. It's not off limits from you, this mission. I uh, once was a basketball player. Now, how about, who's our basketball players in the room? Yeah, I know you guys are looking at me and looking at my height and you're like, you're a liar, bro. You're a liar, you never played basketball. Uh, <laughs> listen, I played just for one year. One year only. And uh, I remember our coach, he always said, listen, when you're low on time, foul him. Foul him. And so one time the coach gives the signal, you're low on time. I'm going, this is my chance to be a hero on the team. My height didn't really serve me well. So uh, I'm like, here it goes, here we go. And he says, the time is low. And I start running after this guy, sprinting after him. And I shove him as hard as I possibly could across the court, right on the ground. Didn't realize you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> So uh, they had the half court free throws all the nine yards. And um, next year I joined wrestling. So uh, that better suited me. Uh, and I remember in wrestling, we'd get up so early. We wouldn't eat anything because we're a little bit messed up in the head. And uh, getting our sweat out and all this stuff. And uh, I remember waking up and being on the bleachers. We'd be so tired and hungry. But we're just laying on the bleachers, sleeping on those comfortable wood boards. And uh, just trying to get comfortable. And then all of a sudden over the speakers, I would hear my name called, Charlie Marquis, and I knew it was my time to wake up and get into the fight, get into the ring, get in the match. And I just wondered, I think God's calling your name, saying, hey, it's time to get into the fight. It's time to get in the fight. It's time to enlist. It's time to get into the fight. I'm calling you. It's time to get into the fight. Your name is being called. We actually have what it takes to complete the Great Commission. There are 900 churches and 78,000 Bible-believing Christians for every one unreached people group left on this planet. We have the HR department. They're available. The only question is, will we enlist? Will we say yes? 
in our uniqueness with everything we have, will we do what we can to complete the mission? I believe we're so close. I believe we're in the most exciting era of history. There's all sorts of -of out-of-the-box ways people are completing the Great Commission. Hidden Bibles, secret Bibles that light up air particles in front of you. I mean, Star Wars stuff. I mean, I've seen it with my own eyes. It's happening. Imagine what you could do. I believe God is calling you. I remember being in these sports, being in wrestling, getting toward the end of a match, thinking, man, this is so hard. My muscles, I feel like they're failing me. My heart is on fire, burning within me. I can barely breathe. But then I would see the clock. I would see the finish line. And and this fresh wind, fresh fire would come over me to give everything I got to get to the end, to cross the finish line, to finish the match. And I just wonder if we could pray that God would give us a fresh wind and fresh fire in this day, in this generation to finish the mission, what could happen? We can actually do it. You can actually do it. And I believe God is calling some of you to go to the unreached and give your life for the mission field. Others of you, God's calling you to use your uniqueness, your business, your skills to support that, to fuel it, to provide platform for others. I want to pray. Lord Jesus, I pray you grip us right now that you would do what only you can do. I believe you're speaking to some. I believe you're calling some. Lord, may we change the stats because... They don't reflect obedience according to your word. Would you convict us and call us in Jesus' name? We hope you found this message a blessing to your life. More Columbia International University Chapel messages are available at iTunes and at podcast.ciu.edu. Learn more about CIU's undergraduate, seminary, and graduate programs at our website, ciu.edu. Columbia International University educates people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Thank you for the opportunity to minister to you today.